Ladies and gentlemen, stoners and growers, welcome to a midnight rendezvous like no other. I'm your host, Socrates Grows, broadcasting from a server in the heart of America. Join me on this extraordinary journey through the lush foliage of my autoflower garden to learn how to grow your own fire at home. This is Autoflower Power, the podcast that takes you deep into the hidden realms of the horticultural marvels we call autoflowers. On this episode, we're going to be talking about seeds, how to germinate them, how to take care of them, more tips. We'll also be talking about seedlings, how we're going to start them, how we're going to keep them going, some tips on watering them. And we'll also be talking about transplanting, which is a mythological topic in the world of autoflowers. We're going to go over what I think about them and the best ways to handle them when you're first starting out and when you get a little bit better. So enjoy today's episode of Autoflower Power. So let's start at the beginning. We're going to start with seeds. First off, where do you get seeds? Uh, Traditionally, a lot of people would grow seeds out of uh, bag seeds, stuff that they found uh, in their bud that their buddies gave them, or even sometimes that you find at a dispensary, you'll find a, a single seed or two in there, and you'll think, maybe I should pop these seeds. Maybe they're perfect. Well, especially because we're going for auto flowers, we want to make sure that the genetics are going to be the highest standards and that they've been checked by some great breeder and that they're sold by a reputable seed bank. So the first question is, where do we get them? And the answer is, well, you either get them from a reputable breeder or you get them from a reputable seed bank. So first, what is a reputable breeder? A reputable breeder is somebody who's online who's showing their work. What does that mean? That basically shows you uh, exactly what they're doing, that they're working through a number of plants, that they're making sure that everything's uh, done nicely, cleanly, nothing's cross-contaminated, and that they're just generally professional about the thing. Some of the big breeders that I really recommend, number one with a bullet is Night Owl. Uh, Daz is the breeder over at Night Owl, and he creates some of the most amazing uh, autoflower genetics. He used to work with another company called Mephisto, who is also another great autoflower breeder. So I would start with those two and take a look at what they're doing. Uh, Mephisto sells directly on their website to consumers, so you could go directly to their website. There's going to be links for everything that I mentioned in the show notes today. So make sure you go to www.socratesgrows.com slash seeds for all that information. So getting back to Mephisto, Mephisto is a legendary uh, breeding team that was originally based in England, I believe, and is now in Spain. They basically were the ones who took autoflower cannabis from basically swag that people wouldn't want to grow and made it much more popular, crossing with a lot of popular strains and really, really dialing it in so that you start getting very similar terp profiles, very similar amounts of THC, beautiful growing plants. So Mephisto is definitely one of the most available and awesome, reputable breeders. Uh, Second to that, I would make sure to take the time to try to find some night owl seeds if you possibly can. Uh, like I said before, Daz is a freaking genius, and I will uh, I'll go to the mat to to continue promoting night owl seeds. So, anyways, now that you know some decent breeders, and there's more, I'll put some more in the show notes. Uh, what you're going to look for is either to buy them direct, like you do from Mephisto, or for a company like uh, Night Owl. They produce all their stuff and they send it to seed banks. There's a bunch of seed banks. I'm going to have links to them 
all the breeders have official seed link lists. So if you want to like find something from, for example, say Hummingbird Hills, which is another new up and coming genetic company that does specifically autoflowers and is supposedly doing some really cool things. I hope to run their gear soon. They will have a list on probably their Instagram of exactly what seed banks are selling their real gear. Okay, now it's important that we address real gear versus fake gear. I don't want to go too into it because I'm not a breeder and I'm not super familiar with the topic, but I just want to make it uh, totally clear that a lot of the times when you buy from some of these big generic seed banks, um, I won't have any links in there, but I will have a link to a video by Dark Horse Genetics Podcast in which he kind of goes over some of the uh, concepts of what fake seeds are. It's not what you think. They aren't fake cannabis seeds. It's just you're not buying the strains that are being uh, sold. So be very careful. Check out that video. It's actually really informative and it gives you a couple names to uh, just at least keep an eye out for as far as what you're buying and the quality and the truth behind what you're actually buying from some of these seed banks. So just something to keep in mind. Stay with reputable seed uh, producers and seed banks and you should be good. Now as far as storing seeds, you can use uh, the original containers that they came in. I think that's the best way to do it. They've already thought out, okay, uh, these seeds are safe in these containers. They're usually little plastic vials or little circular round um, packages with some foam on there to keep them in and not moving around. These are great. I would keep them in the plastic package, inside the Mylar package on the outside, and then in some type of controlled environment, whether it's uh, a a very cool and dry area of your house. I definitely wouldn't try to freeze these or put them in the refrigerator. I've heard both good things and bad things about them. I'm not willing to risk my uh, my seed bank basically to see if I can get the seeds to go for any longer because I've never had an issue and I've been growing for a few years and the first seeds I bought are still good. They'd still germinate today. So Let's talk about germination because that's where you start with the seeds. That's where the whole thing starts. There's a couple ways to do this. Some people will tell you that you should put your seeds into water for 24 hours and watch them crack. I've never done that. I've only done two ways of germinating seeds, and they're about as simple as can be. The first is the paper towel method. This is super simple. You take a DVD case. You take four squares of toilet paper. You put the four squares of toilet paper into the DVD case, spray the uh, Kleenex with a little bit of water, make sure it's moist but it's not sopping wet, and place your seed or seeds into the paper towel, fold it over, spray again, close the DVD case, and then wrap it in a towel. Make sure that that package goes somewhere where it's relatively warm preferably something like on top of a tent that's on for 24 hours. I would not put it on anything too hot. Anything too hot can definitely uh, negatively affect the germination rate. I've tried putting them on heating mats before and they just burnt right through the thing and never germinated. So you're going to want to keep an eye on that and check that every uh, 12 hours after the first 24 hours in the paper towel. Just be careful when you're moving around the paper towel that you're not breaking anything. Don't worry, it's not super fragile. It's not going to kill the thing if you touch it. But just make sure that you're somewhat careful and you don't rip the tail apart if there is a tail. And that's what we're looking for in the first 24 to 36 hours is a small white tail. 
Once the small white tail appears, it should be about the size of the width of your thumbnail, I would say. Uh, it doesn't have to be too big, but you want to give it a little time to grow. You're going to place that into one of two places. Either your seedling slash transplant uh, cup, which we will discuss in just a second, or into the final potting uh, mix that you're going to be growing your actual plant in. So... The other option for uh, germinating your seed is a lot more straightforward. That is to just put the seed directly into the final cup or the final uh, bag or pot, depending what you're going to be using, and just make sure that you keep the area around it moist, not soaking wet again, and that you're going to want to put a uh, some type of clear solo cup or some type of humidity dome over it so that you get the maximum amount of moisture to keep that thing germinating and in the ideal uh, humidity range. All right, so let's talk about now that we've got uh, a seed into the soil. What I'm going to say now kind of contradicts itself, so just go along with me here for a minute. I would recommend you start that seed in some sort of seedling mix, if possible, something sterile. You don't want a lot of nutrients in there. The seed itself actually contains all the nutrients that it needs for the first few weeks of life. So basically, all you need to do is add water to some type of sterile or non-overfed uh, soil mix. You want to make sure that the soil is not too hot in the seedling stage. So let me go back. This is where I'm going to contradict myself. Um, a lot of people will say, don't start your stuff in uh, something like a Fox Farm Ocean Forest because it's too hot. There's too many additives in it, and it's just going to burn up your seeds. Well, I don't use Fox Farm uh, Ocean Forest very frequently anymore, but I will say in the beginning, I germinated tons of seeds and that stuff, and I never had a problem. If I had a problem, it was something other than the hot soil. So with everything we're doing in the garden, your mileage may vary, your experience might be a little bit different, and what somebody says is not always the truth. Keep that in mind when I go to the transplanting part towards the end of this episode. There's a lot of different thoughts and a lot of people have had success and a lot of people have failed with a lot of different techniques. So these are just my techniques and what I think. So try to keep it in a more sterile soil and I think you're going to have better luck getting that into a good seedling stage that's going to be strong and vigorous uh, to be able to both be transplanted or just continue in its original pot and make it to the flowering stage. So let's talk about uh, the seedling cup. This is the double solo cup method that I really like. I found to be maybe the best way to start your seedlings before you transplant them. Again, we'll talk about if you should transplant them or not a little bit later in the episode. But for now, uh, let me just describe this. I think it's a really clever little setup. So all you have to do is you have two solo cups. You have one clear solo cup with drainage holes and you have one opaque cup that has no drainage holes. What you're going to do is you're going to fill the clear cup with the holes with your medium, uh, whether that's a soil starter or some kind of cocoa. Make a little uh, hole for your seed and plant it in there. Just cover it up barely, just enough so that it's under the soil. Make sure that the soil medium itself is somewhat wet. And then once you uh, get that in there and you have some time behind you and the soil has dried out just a little bit, you definitely don't want the soil to dry out when you're in the seed stage or when it's just uh, starting off before anything pops out. You want to make sure everything's at least moist and you do not want it to be wet. So anyways, how you're going to water in the solo cup is you're going to remove the clear inner cup and you're going to fill the opaque cup with about, I'd say about a fourth of the way up with water, maybe a third of the way up. 
and you're going to put the solo cup with the medium that's got the drainage holes back in there. The medium is going to suck water up from the bottom. It's going to wick it up and it's going to keep all of it equally moist. You're going to want to keep your clear solo cup in the water for about 20 minutes to make sure that it's gotten fully soaked. Uh, this is a reason why you want to make sure when you first make your cup that the medium is fairly packed down and not super light because you won't be able to get this capillary action if you don't somewhat get it tight in there. Not super tight, not overpacked. You just want to make sure that everything's touching and there's not a ton of air in that cup where the uh, water won't be able to get through. So this will basically guarantee that you're not overwatering or underwatering your plants, and you got to make sure that you remove that water after 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is, because uh, you don't want your your plant to be sitting in water. That can cause a lot of different problems from uh, rot to uh, mold, all other kinds of issues that you just don't want to uh, bring into your plant's life that could stunt it, especially again with autoflowers. We've only got so much time on the clock, so... As much of this as we can perfect, the better. So let's not introduce any problems by overwatering. The solo cup method is awesome for seedlings, and it's an easy way to make sure that you're not overwatering, but you are giving it plenty of water and fully saturating that soil. So the first thing that you're going to see once the uh, seed pops out of the soil is the catalytin seeds. What you're going to do is you're going to basically just let these go. You're going to wait for them to go. If there's any sort of helmet head on there, which is when the actual seed, the hard part, the shell, the husk of the seed is stuck on one of the leaves, you can uh, gently remove it. Uh, be careful with it. You don't want to rip those early leaves and cause any stress or damage to them. But yes, you do want to eventually get that off if it doesn't come off by itself especially if both the leaves are caught in it and it's unable to open. That would be the uh, main reason why I would act upon that. Otherwise, I wouldn't worry too much. So once your cotyledon leaves have fully developed, you'll notice that now come the real leaves. These are your fan leaves. These are the leaves that are really going to give you the idea that you're actually growing cannabis plants. Um, they typically start with less fingers and grow to more fingers as the plant matures. So sometimes you'll start with three fingers and then go to five and then seven and so on. And you'll continue watching that plant grow in its solo cup for a little while. Basically, when you want to uh, transplant it is going to be somewhere between 11 to 14 days or so. Um, I do want to talk about what the benefits and the downsides of transplanting are while we're here inside the solo cup because we're not going to be growing our plants in these solo cups. They are going to have to be transplanted out. So if you want to skip this, go ahead and just put them straight into the put the seed straight into the original soil or put that taproot after you germinate it into uh, your final pot, whether it's a five gallon pot or whatever you're going to be doing. That does uh, prevent any stunting from transplanting, but I do think there are reasons to transplant that are beneficial. So I think the uh, number one beneficial reason to transplant, especially for us who are working in smaller spaces, who aren't professionals, who are just doing this for ourselves, is that you can have a wider number of plants that you can start. This is somewhat... Uh, debatable because the seeds aren't always uh, exactly the cheapest when you're buying cannabis seeds, but it does allow you to start a few extra. So every time I start seeds, I always start basically what I'm hoping to grow, plus maybe two or three extras that I can have as a backup because inevitably once in a while, whatever plant you're trying to grow doesn't come in and then you don't want to be stuck with your tail between your legs for two weeks while something else tries to come in. So 
starting extra plants in a smaller amount of space is uh i think really beneficial uh in the same space where you could start one five gallon pot you could start nine smaller uh seedlings in cups so really what that means is that you can select which ones look the best if you're not going to be using all nine of those or you could just have more start at the same time that takes me to my second point which is you can actually start stuff in the same tent that you've got other stuff finishing it with solo cups and it won't take up that much space this is the idea of a perpetual harvest basically once you get uh your uh, main plants into flower you start new seeds into seedling and they go in the same tent and by the time you chop the other stuff your new seedlings are either going to be ready for transplant or they're going to be vegging so it's a way to maximize your space and time together it's basically like um, starting seedlings inside to get more growth uh, when you're working out in the garden so it's like starting tomato seeds in march even though they're not going to be able to be picked until Uh, july or august you're just getting extra time in there you're getting extra space and um, it's a major benefit for the amount of turnover you get in your garden additionally as mentioned before the watering is actually a lot easier when you can kind of uh, sub irrigate i like sub irrigation throughout the entire process and it's really not possible in a full-size pot with a seedling Uh, the water is not going to get up there and you're going to have to top water which isn't uh, a terrible issue, but it does cause some type of uh, fungus from time to time. It can cause more insects to come. So if you can just bottom water and keep the soil generally moist and not overwatered with a lot of extra moisture around, I think that helps a lot with uh, insect control and growth of the plant. Just let the plant take up what it needs and let everything else go to waste. No problem. It's great. All right. Now, I got to be honest with you. There's a lot of uh, upsides to transplants, but there are some downsides to transplants. And I think you can mitigate a lot of these both through uh, knowledge, good work, and also numbers. Uh, Like I said, when you got nine plants rolling instead of four or three or whatever it is, you got a much better chance of nailing uh, however many you actually need. So some of the downfalls are Number one, it's more work. That's just straight up. If you're going to be planting a seed in its final pot and you're just going to be watering it, there's no work. There's no transplanting to be done. There's no preparation of solo cups. There's no worrying about getting the right medium in there versus what you're going to be using in the final container, even though you can often use the uh, final medium in your solo cup, transplant cup. uh, Sometimes you're going to want to think about it a little bit more and you might need some more uh, resources. Just even the solo cups, you're just going to need them. Uh, Not a big deal, uh, but uh, it's something to consider. The real downside for transplanting autos is, again, going back to that restriction of time. There is the chance that you stunt your plants while transplanting. There's a chance that you let them go too long and they start going into flower too early, like the taproot hits the bottom of the solo cup, or they become root bound. Both of these can cause stunting in the plant, which means that once you transplant them out, they're not going to get as big and as vigorous as they had originally. This is a real concern. Um, I have had this happen a couple of times. Again, you can kind of mitigate this with uh, having a couple extra plants and being very diligent on keeping an eye on how big the plants are in the solo cups. So I think that's maybe the next thing we should talk about is when do you want to transplant your uh, plants from the solo cups from the seedling stage into the final pots so for this it's um 
little bit of magic, honestly. Uh, it's going to take you a few times. Um, some people say that you can kind of tell the early sexing before. I think it's actually way too early uh, to be able to tell the sexing, but maybe I'm just not that aware of it. Uh, what I look for typically is for the leaves to get to the edge of the container. So you basically want to see the leaves hanging just over the edge of the solo cup when you're looking down. That gives me a pretty good idea that the plant has taken up about as much room as it can in that cup without getting too big. And it's about time to go into a bigger container. Typically when we do like tomatoes or cucumbers or something like that, we do pot up from size to size. And the reason why we do that is so that we can let uh, the roots grow, say, for that solo cup size and keep the water moist without getting too moist all around it. You just want the roots and the medium that's in contact with the roots to stay moist. So once you move it from the solo cup or whatever small container into a more medium-sized container, you could continue that project of keeping the roots moist but not keeping the medium too moist. That's really the goal here. So when you pot up to your final pot, you're going to have to manage that water a little bit more than in that solo cup. But that's really what's going to determine when the plant needs to be moved is the size of the plant compared to the size of the pot because the roots are going to be basically telling the story. And I'm going to tell you the secret here, guys. Pull the uh, clear solo cup out of the opaque cup and you can see the roots. It's amazing. Um, this is the real benefit of the solo cup method for me, not just the bottom watering, which is uh, worth its price in gold compared to top watering because it really prevents a lot of problems. But you can see the roots and you could tell, OK, the roots are now kind of pressing up against the edge of the solo cup. It's time to go. So keep an eye on that. Pull them up every once in a while. Make sure the roots aren't exposed to the light. That's why we've got the opaque cup around it and just check them. If you can see the roots starting to uh, press against the edge of the cup, it's probably about time to transplant. Um, just as a guide, I would say this is typically uh, around 11 to maybe 17, I guess maybe closer to 14 days after the uh, first fake leaves have appeared. So just keep an eye out in those first couple of weeks before you uh, go to transplant it. And I think you will be able to nail the timing pretty well. All right, let's talk about the actual process of transplanting because it's not that hard. The actual transplant is not the problem. Um, the problem is timing it. So uh, basically, once your plant is ready for transplant, which we've determined by the root growth and the size of the leaves compared to the size of the cup, you're going to want to make sure that the medium is somewhat moist, uh, but not uh, freshly watered. You basically want it to just hold together. Uh, to be able to be packable and you don't want it to be falling apart when you're going to move that out of the cup. So you're going to begin with prepping your final uh, container, whether it's a bag or a pot, and you're going to create a hole. What I would do is I would take that opaque solo cup or an extra solo cup you have and kind of dig out a hole that matches that. Um, it's a great way to get the exact plug shape because that's exactly what it's been growing in. So you have a nice uh, proper home for your future transplant. So you start with the hole and then next we're going to go back to the transplant. Remove the opaque cup if you haven't used that for the uh, the plug template in your main bag. You remove the uh, clear cup. You're going to place your hand around the plant. You're going to put the actual seedling between your ring finger and your middle finger. You're going to lightly turn the plant upside down and allow the entire root ball along with all the medium to fall into your hand. 
Uh, let's just say this is in your uh, left hand for now. So now you've got the root ball in your left hand. What you're going to want to do now, and I haven't mentioned this before, but I will have some links to it, and we will probably have a episode that discusses this a lot further, is I like to add myco. Uh, this is an inoculant that allows the roots to develop even quicker and more strongly. Uh, this is a great tool for all types of plants, but especially for cannabis. And I say especially for cannabis because these are um, expensive plants to grow, and we should be giving them every benefit that we can if we can. Um, and I think myco is a great way to do it. So I sprinkle a little myco on the roots that are exposed in the soil uh, now that it's uh, exposed in my left hand sitting upside down. And I also put a little myco in the hole where I'm going to plant the plug. Now take your right hand and put it over the bottom of the root ball plug. Make sure that you're keeping it firm enough that it holds steady while you're about to flip it over. So what you're going to do is you're going to now take that uh, seedling and you're going to place it into the hole. And you're just going to fill in the soil around it. Uh, there's a couple options here. Um, one thing that I will throw out from the world of tomatoes is that if you do have a leggy, which means that it's like a tall stalk and a lot of space in between the bottom of the plant and the first node, what you can do is you could kind of mound up around that uh, leggy stalk and you will get roots growing out from there. So anything that touches soil on that lower stalk will eventually develop roots, which is great. Um, that's beneficial to you. You want a stronger root system. So just mound up around there and you will be fine to go. Don't worry about it being laggy. You should be uh, golden. From there, all you've got to do is lightly water in the seedling. Basically, all that you're trying to do is somewhat meld the new soil from the seedling into the soil that is in the final container. Uh, just try to get them to start mingling and uh, inoculating each other, also activating that myco. And your transplant has been transplanted. Congratulations. Thanks for checking out this episode of Auto Flower Power, where we've discussed seeds, where to get them, some reputable breeders, some reputable seed banks. We've talked about germinating them. We've talked about fake seeds. We've talked about using the paper towel method on top of a tent to get your seeds going and when they're ready to be popped into the soil. We've talked about the solo cup method and how that's beneficial for both watering and seeing the roots. We've discussed transplanting and using mycos to get the best root connection with your soil. And we've discussed the benefits and downfalls of transplanting too, just to give you a full, clear picture of what to expect. I hope you've taken something from this that you can directly apply to your garden today to grow bigger, more vigorous, and monster giant plants. Make sure to check out the show notes for all the links and some more commentary at SocratesGrows.com seeds. You'll find show notes there. You'll also find links from the episode. So until next time, take it easy.